the line, Arby. That's the, the line sorry, there. You sorry, saw sorry. it. Sorry. But you, no, you saw it though. You saw it. But that's the yeah, line. Yeah, it's always. <laughs> There's this French com- uh, comedian, uh, and she she uh, she made this clip uh, of her and her boyfriend, and she's like complaining, to, like she's putting glitter on her eyes, <laughs> and she's complaining to her boyfriend, like, "Where are we? Go- where are you taking me?" And the boyfriend's like, uh, "We're gonna go to the uh, kebab kebab bar," <laughs> and, and she's like. I'm putting glitter on my eyes. When are you gonna put glitter in my life, Kevin? Like, <laughs> and it's in French. In my and life, like, Kevin. yeah, and like, like this, this sentence, like, it just went crazy. Everyone's yeah. using it like in French. Yeah, it was like, glitter in my life. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And that's, how's it? How's it? How's it, how's it in French? Um, quand est-ce que tu vas mettre des paillettes dans ma vie? Yes, welcome to the Nuff Set Podcast. My name is Sue. This is uh, my co-host, Arby. We're both co-hosts. And with us today is a British comedian of international renown, Dane Baptiste, who uh, wrote and starred in his own sitcom, Sunny D, and is also premiering his next comedy show, The Chocolate Chip, in 2020. Welcome, Dane. Thank you very much for having me. What's up, Arby? What's up, Sue? We need like a, an effect board go. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> a soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we'll, we'll do it in post production. That's fine. Okay. That's cool. We'll think of what we want to do. Oh, I, uh, I want one of those sounds that they, you know those like monster movies? Yeah. Like, and it just goes. <laughs> and it's like, what does that even mean? And it's always the same kind of movie. Like, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those. International. Yeah, yeah. Next time I 2020. <laughs> he returns. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a sudden rap for the yeah. when they you know it, it, yeah exactly yeah Master Pete and then they face the black and you just hear <laughs> I'll do that to advertise the tour maybe yeah. <laughs> how well, are you man I'm good man yeah. I uh it's been a nice week it's uh it's been the weather's been nicer than I expected and uh it's been been fun it's been fun it's been uh it's been good uh meeting new people and new creatives and uh working with some real great people uh, on the f- for the festival and uh, just had a good time chilling, man. Cool. How been long cool. have you been in Belgium now? Uh, I got arrived on Thursday mm. and uh, yeah, it's been it's been nice. It's been nice to get out of uh, London for a bit and uh, it's um, it's a it's a, uh, a journey, Good, it's a goodwill journey as well. It's good to get to like, yeah. know people and perform and stuff like that as well but it's also important to make it a point of principle to know that like we definitely identify with our brothers and sisters over here. And uh, yeah. despite what mainstream media would lead you to believe, we don't all want to separate from the EU <laughs> or, or, or or from people or consider ourselves separate from the rest of you. So, uh, yeah, it's nice, man. Everyone's always welcoming. Everyone, it's. I actually feel bad when I come over here because I, I just feel that, uh, you know, I'm... Why we love having you over? I know, but I need to yeah. learn. I need to improve my Flemish at least. I no, just say, I say, no. Everyone's everyone's uh, no, so don't. linguistically talented uh, in uh, continental Europe, and in Britain, it's like most of us can barely grasp English. No, so no, no, you have to t- <laughs> don't don't start talking Flemish. We we got a lot of competition in Belgium <laughs> yeah. as a small country. We don't need like a, a successful good comedian well, coming over <laughs> taking our jobs. Uh, okay, fair, yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. But it, exactly coming in taking our jobs. <laughs> but I need, I need someone. I can like do uh, the subtitles <laughs> about on clips. We and can stuff. help you with the subtitles. Right, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See the real cool translator. Um, but no, it's been a, it's been a good week, man. It's been a, it's been fun. Um, because actually, we on the main land or the main, we see you blowing up. Because every time oh. if we see a comedian um, uh, performing at the Apollo or mm-hmm. uh, on TV, and we're getting, we're like, really. Is he really coming? And you're one of those comedians that that oh, is blowing up at this moment. I know. I'm glad, man. It's uh, yeah. It's 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 been it's been like the last maybe three years. It's been it's been a real kind of haze and stuff where I uh was nominated. I got the nomination for best newcomer in 2014, and then yeah, it's kind of just snowballed and avalanche from there. So um, yeah, it's always nice, man. If if it's resonating with uh, people overseas and stuff, because you don't necessarily always see it. Because I feel like I uh have I come in my thirties, and I have like an age group where people aren't necessarily that vocal with social media and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think as uh, people use social media as a way to kind of quantify their success, so I don't always and I don't pay that much attention to it. I realize obviously the necessity of it, but I'm not always that aware and I haven't got the time to be engaging that often with people online. So it's always nice when you you know come to shows and stuff, and people know who you are and know what work you've done, even if they don't communicate with you directly. Yeah. So yeah, it's always a nice surprise to know that people know who I am. So 
And quantifying, you mean uh, followers like on Instagram? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like followers and numbers and stuff like that as well. I mean, I not that I've got any problem with the amount of followers and stuff I have as well, but I don't necessarily think, and I just I'm not that inclined or have the time to like always. That's not really my. I did comedy, started doing comedy live and organically anyway. So mm-hmm. my comedy never really appeared just exclusively online anyway. So okay. I guess I don't engage that kind of audience. But um, but even then, it's I think it's with anything. It's uh, it comes with time anyway. But as I said, it's, I'm happy to come over. And if the phone rings and I can come and perform in different parts of the world, I'm ecstatic about it. So yeah. it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but this is, it's, it's not your first time in Belgium, is it? No, I've been here a few times now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like this is becoming like a nice, like regular spot to come out to. Cause I, first time I came out to Belgium, uh, I was in Antwerp and I then I, and did Rotterdam as well. And so I did open for Eddie Griffin. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that was amazing. And then yeah. we did, so we did Rotterdam oh. and Antwerp. Then I came out again and did uh, open for Bill Burr in Antwerp. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was me, thinking As a comedian, yeah. you just automatically hate who who's opening oh, no, for your not, favorite. No. No, no, hate is a big word, but you're like, no, mm. is he better than me? Can of course, I yeah. do. Oh, no, yeah, I, yeah. But you did great. You smashed <laughs> oh, thank it. Thank you. But no, I'm aware. I'm aware <laughs> of that. Remember, wait. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. Hey. No, I, I feel like yeah, everyone's like, oh, why damn it, not me? But like, I'm I'm aware of that anyway. So I'm like. I mean, there's some people here I can't win over. Because, I mean, people are going to see Bill Burr. It's like, why is this person stopping us from seeing Bill Burr? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing experience, man. And then I've, I did a, a, a festival in, in Ghent as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then I toured in uh, I toured in Brussels and Antwerp as well. Yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm, I'm here, been yeah. here a few times, man. But who b- books the opening uh, program? Um, <laughs> how... how How can get we can we get on for um, opening for Bilber? Yeah, I think what, what is that, it really that, like? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's, it started with the Eddie Griffin thing because I think it was live comedy Belgium. Yeah, yeah. They, they Tom saw Bettles. That. But yeah, exactly. Tom Bettles was a love, he's a great yeah, guy, yeah, man. Yeah. He's been so super supportive from the beginning, and it was kind of like I, uh, I think it was a, he's a, a British-based promoter, and he was offering like the, uh, the opening spot, and we were kind of like. Seems kind of weird, so we end up uh, speaking to Tom directly, and we kind of organized the whole thing. It was, it was amazing, and uh, yeah. So, and just off the back of that, I was like to Tom, well, you know, if anyone else comes out, I'd be happy to come over here again because I see it as a an opportunity to open for a great act, but also to open myself up to a Belgian audience as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just been going on since then, and just maintain a good relationship with Tom and stuff. And yeah, I like I said, I just like coming out here, man. It's uh, it's not too far, but it's uh, distinct enough. Yeah. And then once you're here, you're, you know, you're close to. The rest of Europe and stuff as well. Does so. it do something personally with you? Opening no, yeah, definitely. for a Bilber being somebody uh, with uh, near, not near, but opening a for somebody who's on yeah. the top yeah. level. Arguably, arguably our top five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, it's amazing. I mean, for me, it's just a good test to see where you are, and it's almost as if if they like it, then I guess you know you, you feel like you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was real supportive, and uh, his his feedback though was like you know. I feel like you're you're you got great stuff which could even be there, but don't hold back. Okay. He's like it seems like because obviously I, he's aware of what it's like in the UK, so it's like don't hold back and really push it. So, but yeah, for the most part, he was it was real fun, real supportive guy, and uh, real nice down to earth guy as you'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, I can say like it's been nice to know most of the people I look up to and the guys that are doing really well. Um, they're always real humble and yeah, because no one has anything to be insecure okay. about and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's cool. There's nobody watching. But tell me who's the asshole. Who's the asshole comedian at this moment? What? <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, if I if I told you if I, if I told you somebody was an asshole go, comedian, nah. you'd be you'd be like, ah, he's not good anyway. <laughs> okay. uh, and I would I wouldn't remember that person in the first yeah, place. So yeah, there's yeah. Yeah. most most asshole comedians you meet along the way. They don't really go that far anyway okay. because uh, yeah. I mean people don't understand the difference between mm-hmm. show and show business. And uh, you know the more difficult you are to work with, and people will just avoid doing so. So yeah. I've met comedians that are assholes, and mm-hmm. you know you watch yourself continue to rise, and they begin to decline. Because that's what happens. Yeah. yeah. So, um, um, yeah, like I said, for the most people, the people that are real good, they're they're cool enough to work with. And if anything, they're professional to work with. So they're yeah. like, even if they are assholes, they can turn it off right. for the sake of doing yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what uh, I love uh, about stand-up comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so honest. So uh, yeah, true. Um, let's talk about this uh, no holding back that Bill Burt talked to you about. Cause, yeah. Uh, I watched this uh, comedy clip on your channel, your YouTube yes. channel. Oh yeah, yeah. And you were uh, performing at the. Uh, Comedy Unleashed yes. event, yeah, 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 and it said it said a, a really in- interesting word on the back. It said no self censorship. Yes, and uh, I was wondering uh, what that means to you. No self censorship. Um, 
Well, to me, I guess it means that some comedians might temper their narrative or their editorial because they're afraid that uh, they may uh, lose work because of how they're perceived by the industry. Uh, a lot of people, there's a lot of complaints nowadays where people are like, I can't get work because uh, I'm not politically correct or I'm too right wing and the like. And mm -hmm. myself, personally, I don't know why you would censor yourself if you're not under any kind of punitive measures. If, if you're not going to die, then say what you want then. I mean... It's very strange. It's like even because I've uploaded that onto YouTube and people been like, oh, this is kind of like politically correct comedy in disguise. It's like mm -hmm. it's not at all because I actually don't really believe in the concept of politically correct comedy or just politically mm -hmm. correct art. Because if you are from an opposing side and you think, oh, I think this is too politically correct and it offends me because of that fact. Well, then it's not politically correct then because it's yeah. offending you. So, oh, yeah, seen this. yeah, yeah. I think we had a couple mm -hmm. of weeks ago, we had an event uh, that... Uh, that talked about that mm -hmm. and that was the, the the lenny bruce tribute i think yeah 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 how do you feel that uh, that there are a lot of comedians uh just saying oh we live in a time now where we can't say what we think is it is, is it true or is it is it the same in the london comedy scene yes yeah, same in the uk it's a big complaint from a lot of comedians that like they don't want to perform certain places because they feel they're going to be vilified for their net for what they say or they have to censor themselves and my um Fucking grow a pair in it. Like no one's stopping you. It's, it's your choice whether you're gonna you're gonna conform to this idea that you have to be politically correct or censor yourself, or whether or not you're gonna buck that trend and talk about what you want to talk about. I think mm -hmm. that's a big part of the uh, almost competitive aspect of this art form is that you need to find ways of saying what you want to say. Yeah. And you know that's you know you have a uh, whole lexicon and you should be able to play with words and stuff and have a certain level of uh, oratory skill where you can be like. Sometimes you can say what you want to say without actually having to say it, mm -hmm. and I, and especially because like even when you are not, when you're not censored in comedy, you can none all the profane words have been said anyway. What could you say that Richard Pryor hasn't said? What could you say that you know Lenny oh, Bruce hasn't yeah. said? So mm -hmm, you're mm -hmm. not going to invent any new curse words. They're all out there anyway. So mm -hmm, um, I feel you can still deal with taboo subjects or edgy subjects without having to resort to you know main crude or do stuff for shock value and then even then it's like what is your objective just if you're saying stuff for shock value so i know a lot of comedians complain about it but i just feel like you know unless you're in an oppressive regime where you can be imprisoned or killed or maimed for what you're saying then why are you stopping what because a crowd member didn't like what you said yeah. well then you're an adult who stand by your statements then so mm. yeah i mean like i said i just feel like when people talk about politically correct comedy if you if you see a type of comedy that you don't enjoy or you consider to be at your expense then it's not politically correct then yeah. So it's you know if you're someone who thinks liberal comedy is politically correct, if it offends you, then it's not politically correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, I even I mean, but I'm somebody I I don't even know what the term politically correct means in the first place. When is when has politics ever been correct in terms of? Mm -hmm. You never had uh, any troubles or contact with with that feeling of uh, I need to be uh, uh, a part of a group of people saying no nah, no because I I mean I for me I guess. That was that's a big part of the freedom where comedy in comedy is that it's suspending uh, the belief along the lines of like you know uh, conformist ideas and I don't try to make observations based on where I'm from or who I am. It's just what is in my consciousness. This is what I want to talk about. This mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to capture mm -hmm. people as well. And that's normally what's supposed to be the big payoff from comedy is that people are like, oh, you were saying what I was thinking, but yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. didn't really find the thing to say it because yeah. and you, but you obviously with the way we deliver it, it's like, these are the kind of thoughts from my deep recesses of my brain, which I can't normally say out loud because people think you're crazy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, because that's what comedy was before Twitter and before people could just say passing flippant crazy things. That's how comedy was. We'd say things and people would agree and then you'd get your agreement by laughter. So, yeah, I don't feel the pressure. I, I'll, I'll continue to say what I want because I'm, and I guess that's because my intention is not just to offend people or oppress a group. You know, I'm trying to like, you know, create something uh, that's going to last in people's minds and make them laugh and stuff. And so, even then, you're still going to shock some people. No one's universally loved and no one's universally hated. And so, yeah, I'm I aware of that before I, yeah, then in my approach anyway. I, I feel like sometimes... Uh, we and I understand that some comedians have, you know, they're big and famous and they have a big influence on the world. Yeah. But sometimes, um, it's just I mean, not to uh, 
say that comedy isn't important because it is mm -hmm. but on the other hand it's just a man or woman saying things yeah, yeah like yeah, saying yeah, they're yeah, yeah. voicing their opinions yeah. or i mean maybe they're not even really their opinions exactly maybe they're just like having a go at stuff and like i mean exactly, exactly. and it's just like we we put this 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 massive amount of responsibility on comedians I mean, not always, not everyone, but like, mm -hmm. there's this thing like, oh, and comedians, they have to, especially now, and they have to, they're Say a voice of truth and blah, blah, blah. But there's, that's the thing. Like, of course, there's um, uh, there's some truths that are general and that are true. Um, but it's like everyone in there is like just speaking their truth and like we shouldn't. Exactly. Yeah. And, tru and truths are all rooted in perception and ego anyway. There's only some of how far mm. a truth can take you. Really... Mm. If you're talking about arguing or people are talking like that's a discussion of facts and those are two very different things that people tend to confuse um because a truth can always like a truth can be formed from just what you see in the media mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily factual but if you see it's like well it must be because people still think because it's on the news it's actually true yeah, yeah even true. in the advent of the time now where you've got people like kellyanne conway who's introduced something like alternate facts into human lexicons where now she's almost legitimized lying yeah in political discourse anyway so I think I the biggest influence for me, I guess, was there was an episode of South Park where they had like they create like a joke robot. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The writing of the joke. Yeah, the writing of the joke. And they're talking about award stuff. But they were like, <laughs> the worst thing a comedian can do is take themselves seriously. Yeah. So for me, it's like you know the overarching narrative and whatever I say is that I'm telling jokes on stage like I'm a, a goofball. It doesn't really matter. I'm completely a complete idiot. I don't know. Yeah. Like this stuff can be imaginations. Like anything I tell you is an anecdote. We don't know whether or not it happens. Just for you to interpret it. Um, but I've yeah I, I completely agree with you Sue in that like I think people take it too seriously and I do think I have a person a responsibility as a performing artist but that's my human responsibility anyway mm -hmm. yeah. I don't I don't feel that like I should be a catalyst for anyone to be oppressed whether I'm a comedian or not like you know even as a, a straight man like me there's a certain level of responsibility I have whereby I'm aware of just how the world exists right now where I don't want to encourage further oppression to other people you know I'm of the African diaspora I'm not going to try and reinforce any stereotypes which are going to preface further oppression or marginalization of my peers because mm -hmm. but that's something I should be doing whether I'm on stage or whether I'm not on stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but so how how do mm -hmm. you how do you balance that with the pressure of that is now a reality for let's say uh, the African uh, diaspora? Yeah. Uh, how how do you balance it out? I I embrace it. I feel like, you know, very few people in this world have the opportunity to talk and everyone listen. Mm -hmm. And you know, yeah. and that's just because naturally a lot of people just have a fear of public speaking. So if you can even just overcome that and be able to, to address people and they listen, then that's a real gift that not a lot of us have. So I embrace that in, in one respect. I also, I guess myself, I am aware that people before me comparatively have had it much a much harder time being able to express themselves. You know, I mean, You think, for example, like apartheid didn't end until the 90s. Exactly. Yeah. So, but now they have a comedy scene there. So, I guess people have been waiting for long, a chance to have their, their opportunity. So, you know, if I juxtapose myself and my journey and complain, oh, I can't say certain things on stage. Like in the 90s, when I was getting into comedy, for you to speak out against the government in South Africa, you go into prison. So, when yeah. you compare those two journeys, I don't find it that tough or that much pressure. And, you know, I enjoy it. I guess a lot of people I look up to, they were people that would publicly address and inspire people with what they talked talk about. Um, and who are these? Uh, uh, so, I guess uh, Malcolm X, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he uh, took the time to be an orator. Like, even like Louis Farrakhan used to play like, the, he used to play like a, the, like the trumpet, I think. Yeah, before I think it, yeah, so. Before so, it, yeah, uh, so, you yeah, know, yeah. so he had that kind of artistic thing there as well. Uh, Lenny Bruce massive like innovator uh dick gregory yeah um so dick gregory is like the first african-american that was on tv in uh in the states really? and he was a uh, so hugh hefner used to have a playboy show which he'd have like guests and do comedy stuff on tv and he first invited uh dick gregory on there and dick gregory's stipulation was he's not going to do any tv shows unless he gets to sit down on the sofa or the couch with the host which is what you normally get on the late night uh format and i think he did that and i think it was like johnny carson And after that, he just, yeah, went stratospheric and went from, you know, barely making a living to making so much money that black people couldn't even afford to see him. But he was like, I, I will never forget that they put me in this position where I could yeah, actually yeah. excel. And then even though he was doing very well and, you know, was enjoying all of the trappings of fame and stuff and eating and drinking well, he got to a point where he was like, I might be able to enjoy the privilege of, you know, fame, but I can't detach myself from the struggle and kind of 
sacrificed a lot of his fame to be instrumental towards civil rights. And Dick he could have, yeah, yeah, Dick Gregory. He could and he could have very easily been like, you know, I'm rich, I'm doing fine, I don't need to worry. But you know, he was aware of his social responsibility because that's the thing. Like, I'm a human being, and I'm a member of a family first. I'm someone's brother. I'm someone's yep. son. Before this comedy stuff, at the end of the day, uh, like all these ideas and these titles we give ourselves, they're all human constructs. But at the end of the day, like I have people that I'm dependent on and dependent on me. So that's what I consider anyway. Is that like I was thinking, like if I was growing up again. Who would I like to see represent yeah. me on stage? Yeah, yeah, so I just yeah. try to embody that anyway. Oh. So I like to tell myself, you know, there's there might be a Dane out there, another Dane out there, mm -hmm. and you know they want to see someone that represents themselves. And so yeah, I just could you give like a specific example? What kind of I don't know. Uh, I need to search another word in virtue. But what yeah. would you like to see reflected? Or, or uh, how do you recognize it when you're thinking about that Dane on stage? Yeah. Um, for me, it's just, uh, just uh, I guess, in my own unique, uh, for, I guess, from my own unique perspective, is that like, there, I feel like there's an idea of the aesthetic that a you know a black comic might have, and the, you know that maybe the topics they cover and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I definitely try and buck that trend, where it's like I want my material to be nuanced and to make me distinguish from the rest of my peers, but at the same time, not so uh, niche that uh, people can't like, not everyone can understand it. Because I guess the way I started thinking about doing comedy in the UK, for example, uh, there's only a few metropolitan cities where they'll have a considerable uh, black population at first. So it'd be like London, Manchester, Bristol, mm -hmm. maybe like Leeds and and Birmingham. But, you know, that doesn't mean that those are the only places that black or brown people live. And it also doesn't mean that like these are only places where I'll have fans. So. It's kind of like I just want to make people know who I am and just show the layers there, but at the same time as well be open enough where, you know, like I said, a black person living in Belgium can relate mm -hmm. yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. You know, cause, because, you know, it's just a weird thing where I guess a lot of us are still quite separated in terms of I don't think a lot of uh, black Britons know what's happening on continental Europe and what that journey is. And I just wanted to basically bridge that gap and, you know, make sure that was accessible as well. So for me, it's kind of like, I guess... What I'm aiming for is uniqueness, but also, but a lot, but very broad relatability. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think that when you're genuine like that, you're always going to be accessible to audiences, irrespective of what their race is or their gender is yeah. and stuff like that as well. So, I guess I'm always trying to uh, promote my consciousness rather than uh, the superficial. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any idea about the the, the journey of the Belgian uh, black uh, experience? I mean, is it something not, that inspires or? or is there a lot of similarity or is it just uh, I, th I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of parallels most of the journeys are quite similar I guess uh, you know there's yeah I, I just think I think it's very, very similar if you are in a Western European country whether it's you're, you're in a nation that was previously colonized and stuff and then you know I guess your parents would be in somewhere like Belgium trying to realize more economic prosperity and I guess mm -hmm. you want to have a certain hold on to a certain level of culture but at the same time be able to integrate and I think it's the same for everybody anyway in the same way that like that's why music globally like hip hop is so relatable because mm -hmm. initially the narrative uh, of being like an art form for like I guess the uh, the oppressed or the marginalized uh, means it's relatable all over the world yeah. so you know you have hip hop in Palestine you have hip hop in France yeah. you have hip hop here as well so yeah. I guess yeah it's everywhere so mm -hmm. I just want comedy to be able to do the same thing so yeah um, what is that thing do you think oh um, sorry well because uh, you were talking about relatability and um, something you would have liked to have seen when you grew up mm -hmm. uh, also thinking about your sitcom Sunny D yeah because um, uh, like when I grew up the only sitcom that I watched that was with black people in it was obviously Fresh Prince yeah yeah and Family Matters yeah but um, so yeah You're when you so wrote lucky. Sunny D like yeah. did you have did you have this in mind like oh I wish little dane could have watched this yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah. that and just um you know as i said i try to approach everything and, I, and that's because yeah. that's the best way to apply uh, responsibility is to um if you want yourself to be relatable then you have to kind of be like you know embody the embody what you want to see anyway yeah. so and how did you because of course like a sitcom you don't write it by yourself i assume uh yeah my, my oh. it was just me my, my manager so my manager was formerly a producer so what she would do is basically help me put together structure and be like, here's how you plot out scenes, and then I'll do the right. Yeah, so yeah. she me, and then I, I wrote the lion's share of it, man. So oh, because yeah, I thought because I was thinking like, how do you 
uh, make the writers team because you know no 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 there was no, no team there's no team <laughs> no there's no team no. just just me just yeah that's uh, quite just a me and my manager wow, my manager helped me put it together and she'd help me plot it out and they'd have editors and stuff but I mean a large part of it's because of the fact that the BBC hadn't had a sitcom with a you know majority black uh, cast mm-hmm. for like 20 years so the competence wasn't there even if you want if I wanted uh, assistance in writing in the same way that like if you know if you bought a Volvo to a garage that's only done Ford's like for the last 20 years there's no one there's going to know how yeah. to fix the parts and stuff yes, so yes, true, yeah true, so true, I, true. whether or not i wanted it i just had to kind of do it myself but um mm. i mean in this instance it was lucky because i guess the sunny d uh, story is not a massively far departure from my life so there was a lot of parallels mm-hmm. and a lot of mm-hmm. previous experience i could put into it as well but it's but right what you know in it so yeah so yeah. Was, yeah, definitely what i knew so um but yeah it was yeah it was a lot a lot of uh, work that was involved because, uh, yeah. like I said, I was writing over ninety percent of the whole thing myself. Oh my yeah. god! So I, I was realizing uh, when you asked the question about uh, and you told about Fresh Prince, and I was oh how lucky she is because yeah. I grew up I'm little a little bit older than <laughs> you, yeah, and yeah. I grew up with the Bill Cosby Show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which was, which was, was also a, a good show. Oh, that was an incredible was show. good show. Yeah, yeah. But now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, it's if you can yeah. separate the uh, creator from the creation, yeah. but um. You know, I guess, but then I guess that's a weird thing whereby I guess that was Bill Cosby trying to represent who he wanted to be. Yeah. As opposed mm-hmm. to who, I guess, as opposed to who he was. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even the Cosby show was a, it was a, it was a great show. And uh, I think, I guess at the time, it needed to do the work to produce a palatable African-American aesthetic for American audiences. Yeah. So everybody was well to do. Nobody was any, appeared to be dependent on the state. No. Like everyone was achieving, like. I think one of the biggest adversities they were dealing with on the Cosby show was that Theo was dyslexic and like that's one of the the tough ones. Yeah. So yeah, um I think th- both of them were doctors, huh? Yeah, yeah, both uh, were doctors. Mrs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Huxtable I've never seen the Cosby show. Yeah. Never seen the Cosby no. show. Oh, yeah. well, and what's a strange thing as well is that uh, Dick Gregory the comedian I was saying before, he mm-hmm. was like there's never there's not even a family a, that's not that's not a surname. Like you never hear the surname yeah, Huxtable, Huxtable anyway. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, so it's a completely fictional one, which again is wow. just, it's, a, it's really palatable <laughs> and like it's easy for white Americans to say Huxtable. Huxtable, yeah. Because yeah. you never meet a Huxtable. Yeah. Like you meet a True. Smith, like with the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You meet yeah. a Banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Johnson, you meet the, you meet, a, you meet yeah. a Johnson. You know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you never meet a, a Huxtable. Huxtable. Uh-huh. Is that? Yeah, I should. We should look up the word Huxtable. <laughs> yeah, maybe it means something. Some uh, mean, does it mean like huggable? And then they just Huxtable. Huxtable. there you go. Yeah. It. And maybe that's yeah. why. Yeah. See, yeah. So it's again, it's, yeah. it makes you appear a bit more personable Huxtable. and affable. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, you you saying that uh, uh, Sunny D is the first? Uh, I mean, black uh, black run sitcom. But I mean, in twenty years ri- in written BBC, with yeah. on the BBC is but first one written by a black person. Uh, first having a black cast for like twenty years on the BBC because yeah. I, uh, I I remember watching uh, Chef. With Lenny Henry, yeah. like, but that's uh, a long time, long time ago. ago. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, uh, and I don't think he wrote it either. So oh, see, okay. yeah. So yeah, it was yeah, just, yeah. it was just, uh, it's just been a long time. And I mean, they had sketch comedy with the real McCoy was on the BBC, mm-hmm. which is a massive influence on all of my work as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was just like, again, it was kind of, I did, I wanted it to be distinct in terms of how it appeared, but also very inclusive. So mm-hmm. I made it a real point where the cast in Sunny D are very. Uh, diverse within diversity so there's a lot of intra-racial diversity within the cast mm-hmm. because I'm a, because uh, the black British identity is a very unique one like um, African American is a very distinct identity yes. and people kind of know what that is whereas mm-hmm. black Britain is not necessarily uh, universally embraced by all of no. us because yeah. there's a lot of you know uh, people mm-hmm. from the Caribbean like yeah. Jamaican uh, yeah. my family's from Grenada a lot of West Africans in the UK so Congolese no one, like, well, yeah, Congolese yeah. as well mm-hmm. like, so yeah. yeah exactly Ghanaian so to say like I'm just a uh, Black British is not really. I think it's beginning to galvanize a lot more now, but it hasn't been for a very long time. And then, and then also you got like you know places where like Liverpool and Bristol, where almost having like their third or four generations being like of dual heritage. Mm-hmm. So you even have what's called like in Liverpool Toxteth Black, where you've got black people who are like with red hair and freckles and stuff wow. because you know they've because Liverpool's formerly like a slave port. So like in terms of like integration and mixing has happened really? for so many years. It's a very yeah they appear very different. So. Yeah. But I wanted everyone to be able to feel they could see someone they could project onto in Sunny D. So, like myself being from Grenada, uh, my girlfriend in the show, Sasha Frost, is, uh, she's of dual heritage. Her family from Bristol and from Jamaica. Uh, Liz Humes Dawson plays my mum. Like her dad's from Sierra Leone. Uh, Akenji Defornian, he's from his family from the Cameroon. Best friend uh, is being played by a Nigerian. And so just just because I know that like for black British audiences, they pick up on stuff like this as well. Yeah. Mm. So they all want to be equally represented. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just wanted to make make sure everyone got involved. So like, I guess for me, 
hey you're having my own sitcom but like Sunny D had people like from a diverse of that maybe like 42 countries yeah. wow yeah if we take the example uh, uh, here in Belgium we have the, the VRT <laughs> and they we go like the, yeah. you know what we need uh, Dane to come over for some consultation we, we want to make um, let's say a version a Belgian uh, Flemish version of uh, Sunny D and they hire you they pay you the money what, what would be the first big condition to say if we're going to make it in Belgium, yeah. we need to what? Uh, let me do what I want. Okay. That's my complete creative control. And then I'll just call you two. Yeah. And then you <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah. I want Sue and Erby to translate. No, no, yeah. I'll, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I would, I'll definitely call I you guys. That, and again, that's the, you know, that's the thing about Sunny D was that like, I was a first time writer. And, you know, mm-hmm. so I had to uh, appeal to the audience of um, one I mean, the people I'm working with are all seasoned actors and they're all very talented in their line of work. I'd never written for television to that extent I'd never acted before so I needed to appeal to these guys to have the patience to let me learn how to do it yeah. and they were great so um, in out of respect for them it was like a lot of the time I'd always give the breadth for the comedians and the talent and the cast to kind of improvise and stuff as well mm-hmm. and the only thing was look if I look at the co- the crew and they enjoy it then it works and it stays in there so even having like people like Catherine Ryan in there as well who again is an enormous comedian now but it was like I used to do tour sport for Catherine Ryan and she saw something in me then and I'd seen Catherine had like written, put together scripts and ideas. And I was like, well, you definitely know what you're doing. So any opportunity came to put in the show. Um, so that's always been my, that's always my approach, man, is that like, I want to always be meritocratic. And if you've got skill and stuff, and even if you know more than I do about something, it may be my name on the show, but I want the show to be good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm always happy to concede that power if we can realize like the best product at the end of the day. Because I always feel like the best, most talented person when they're around, everyone else feels like their talent increases as well, and you know you mm-hmm. feel like a better person because that person allows you to realize your potential. So, yeah, my thing would be for a Flemish version of Sunny D would just be like, I just need to know. I'll speak to you guys. Who would, who's a good comedic, diverse comedic talent mm-hmm. in in Belgium? How can I get a hold of them? How can I work? And I'd send them the idea and be like, this is the idea. If you can innovate on this, or there's a particular element of this you may know more about than I, then feel free to use that as long as they're laughing and it's good and it's an original then it all goes it all could, I'm, I'm, I'm always laid back for yeah. that because I always want it to be the best I, my my desire for the greatness is much bigger than my ego so yeah yeah, yeah. well in so. Belgium we have yet to make a black sitcom if it's ever you I'm actually like, yeah. I'm the only black comedian well there you and go I'm, and I'm mixed I, we <laughs> spoke about it I think uh, a couple of days ago uh, with a friend of mine and we were like uh, uh, what do we need in uh, stand-up comedy and I was like uh, uh, definitely more females yeah uh, more uh, black or African uh, descent uh, comedians and they're like wait we don't have anyone so we got Sue mm-hmm. uh, okay who else nobody we got so Amelie on the female front who Amelie Albrecht Amelie Oh yeah, on the female front. Yeah, on the female front. <laughs> Emily yeah, yeah. is a blonde with blue eyes, I think. And when you said, I thought it was she's good. Is she, is she African? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. But she's good, exactly. Yeah, yeah. She's coming up. This ah, so I mean, yeah. Wh- it's what do you think that that's about? Uh, is it? Um, eh, it's a reflection of society, I think. Anyway, yeah. um, you know, um, comedy is, is it reflects society a lot. It's, it's you know, I guess if you go into most places of power and stuff, very few people. Are of color are going to be in, you know, executive or you know, uh, I guess uh, particularly powerful positions. So comedy kind of represents the same thing, and in the same way that like you know, it's not a narrative you hear that often anyway. You know, if we have to be honest with ourselves, even mm-hmm. in Western Europe, we don't entertain a society which allows women to speak on a platform that is equal to men anyway. So I guess yeah. comedy is going to represent that as it is. True. In the same way that like if you feel that society is becoming more censored that's going to be represented in comedy as well because yeah. i i believe you know in a lot of ways art imitates life and comedy is based on observations about life so it's going to probably do that more than anything else mm-hmm. so i think i guess it's because of the fact that uh you know if, if we're talking about relatability there are more women on the planet than men and maybe this is the fear is that if you are able to see more and more creatives that can uh identify with a larger part of the planet then I guess some men are going to find they're obsolete. Yeah. And some people are afraid of that. Whereas, I mean, I don't really think about my comedy in terms of my gender anyway. So 
Yeah. I mean, but it should be open for everybody. And same. I think there should be more. And if, had I known this too, well, then I'm touring next year, so we need to tour together then. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, I yeah. would, we have I would plans of uh, coming over to yeah. London doing that. Uh, yeah. Sh- yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. anyway, we can develop a scene and stuff as well. Because, I, I mean, and for me, like, I guess where my ego comes into it as a point of principle, I'm like, if I see, like, if Dave Chappelle comes to, like, Belgium and everybody here is from, like, Congo and so many different countries and they come and see and then, you know, Chris Rock comes here, it's like, well, I live much closer to Belgium than they do. So there's no reason why <laughs> I should be able to identify with this audience. And it's not like I think like I'm better than them or anything like that, but it's yeah. like I no, feel no, like yeah. we yeah. just have more in common. Yeah. And I also and, and, yeah. I, and I always say it's like, you know, people like Stormzy and stuff can come and perform in Belgium and you have like a lot of musical acts. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, if, if musical acts can travel, then as comedic oh. acts, we should be able to travel as well. True. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm seeing like people like Lukaku are in a Belgian team and Belgian team is very diverse. Yeah. And so, you know, company and stuff. So I'm like, well, so it's not, it's, there's people there. So of course there is. Yeah, no. and, not, and not just black or not just of, uh, you know, no. uh, from the Congo. Like, you know, it's very, it's very diverse. And, you know, yeah. I think the, the once that begins, then on the grand scale, you have the entire kind of immigrant uh, narrative and able to be introduced to this. And I think, um, I mean, anyway, you can remedy it. I, but I guess, I, I guess it's just a power, fear of, lo- of loss of power from the established powers that be. But, um, what I've learned more recently is experiences that the way to overcome that is for everyone who's maybe outside of the mainstream to work together mm-hmm. and uh, never consider it a competition. And definitely. I think sometimes oh, yeah. we are definitely educated with that kind of crabs in the bucket mentality that there can yeah. only be one black person and one exactly. Arabic person. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. space for everybody. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, what someone else eats doesn't make you starve. No, exactly. How can yeah, we yeah. circumvent that in the, ze- in the sense of, should we be more focused on the art should we just be uh, have focus on the art and mm. forget everything? How would you how would you possibly? Um, I'd say yeah, that? I'd say definitely. Uh, like I said, it's about kind of coming together and sharing ideas and knowledge and resources, and uh, you know, working on a scene together. In if you have a circle of friends that you know share the same kind of stories and you identify with each other, that, that might be your initial audience and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one way of doing it. And then well, just sounds like Nafset. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. exactly. But that's that's the thing. Like I said, this is this is what's been the great part of this week is that like I've been to Belgium a few times, but uh, the aesthetic of the Nafset audience is probably the most diverse one I've seen, yeah. and it's amazing. And it's like, and it's even like some of the acts I've been able to work with, like Boo Khartoum was out here as well. Yeah. And you know, I I I mean, I try my best to find out more about like you know what happens in somewhere like Syria and stuff like that as well. But like yeah, hearing his story is just amazing as well, man. So yeah, something like Nafset said that's that would be a great place to start yeah mm-hmm. great and I, i'm not just saying that because I'm, i've done it and stuff like that as well it's, it's like you know it's an amazing idea it's uh and you know the nafsa audience is not just an audience of color as well it's you know it's it's very yeah. it's very broad and very diverse so it's something that yeah i would say something like nafsa would be a, is a great foundation in mm-hmm. order to, to grow that scene and so i would definitely help them do that okay. i would definitely I'd on a personal uh level of developing art what would you recommend um yeah just i think just working together and and uh yeah um in between when you're doing like festivals and stuff is uh the acts and, and the talent that's involved is to maintain contact with each other and continue to work and put in on shows and i think that healthy competition will let everything grow at yeah. the same time as well and mm-hmm. uh yeah i mean if you come over to the uk and stuff as well man i'd i hopefully do the same and put you forward to gigs and stuff but i just think yeah so far as like the development of the art and that will come with time and experience um but yeah it's just, it's it's uh it's just about cultivating and working together so for me again like ideally like i guess i'm very romantic about the idea and stuff as well but like so far as being a uh of the african desperate but being in europe like i'm prepared to come up i'd be happy to be this to be like a second home of mine and come over and like work with like the belgian comedy scene and like do the festivals and get and stuff as well because yeah but the way to I'd love to, yeah. But the way to develop the art is, yeah, just to, for unity and just and this and uh, working together for the same goal. So everyone, everyone understands that it's the same goal, and it's also because I've seen people who have like maybe started off on what would be called the black circuit in the UK, and been able to transcend that. What's the black of, circuit? So it's exactly as it says. It's just that you know, in the same way that like because there was a lack of opportunities in mainstream media for black comics, then they started putting together their own gigs and being able to talk about you know their own experiences mm-hmm. that are a lot relatable to that audience, and so. That is it's exactly as it is. It's like in these metropolitan cities and in a few places, you just have promoters that put on shows 
that will give certain artists the opportunities they wouldn't necessarily have if they had to wait via mainstream media or wait via venues. So some of the more established comedy venues in the UK, like the Comedy Store mm-hmm. or like Jonglers historically, it, the journey for you to get onto their books and into the rotation of their acts may have taken a longer time. But with myself, I did shows which would have been like builders like black shows in places like the Glee Club or the Comedy Store. And because uh, the uh, pr- promoters and the venue owners could see that I had a crossover appeal, because of the black circuit, I was able to get more mainstream work. Mm-hmm. So I owe that to them as well. So it's uh, never about turning around and like biting the hand that feeds you or what people say is like pulling up the ladder behind you. Yeah, I always made it. Yeah, I was made to be a thing where it's like, like I said, for that next young black comic that's coming up, that will want to know how to like, how can I get f- from doing mainly black gigs to the mainstream and stuff? Is like I want to be like I want to be able to help that person because, you know, I was fortunate to have someone like that help me as well. So I'm just paying it forward and just trying to build on that and increase it. So I want yeah. to ask you about um, touring internationally because mm-hmm. obviously you've done that and yeah. I mean you're gonna continue to do it. Like um, I always wondered because when you play in britain mm-hmm. it's very obvious who you are like yeah. and you're like a guy from london and mm-hmm. you have your stories and everything but when you travel abroad like how how do you make your comedy uh more like universal or like yeah. worldwide like how do you do that like, um well even when i write to perform in the uk i guess i had because i did if started doing gigs internationally it was like i need to write stuff which isn't too regionally specific mm-hmm. and um i guess I don't really hold on to notions like nationality too much anyway because mm-hmm. okay. they're all in okay. themselves kind of man-made in you know because you know a lot of people talk about religion and being like you know religion is a man-made idea and it's just an idea in our heads but nation is the same like yeah. mm. a land a landmass is only given a name that the ruling powers will give it like Yugoslavia used to be a country like you know uh Kosovo is separate from Albania but it's on the same landmass so mm-hmm. I look at it the same way is that it's just how much power we give these things so for me, it's like, as an international audience, I'm like, I'll talk about who I am, and that's who I am personally, but I try and write stuff where it's not uh, from the perspective of just being as a Londoner. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, our society is relatively globalised already. You know, yeah. you know, a lot of stuff crosses borders as it is, so I just uh, try and write in that respect where it's like, I feel most things in life and most of our experiences are pretty similar as human beings. And so I, ki- I guess I try to focus more on the humanity than the nationality. Whoa, it's the, okay. the easier way of saying that. Yeah. Wow. Is there like a a, a favorite uh, country where you go to, or like a favorite or like something that's been Please amazing? Please don't say Belgium. Please don't say Belgium. <laughs> it's up there though. <laughs> I can't lie. I come here. I, it's one of the places I come the most. Yeah, it's still. It's come here the most, man. Yeah. No, I've done enough. Said it's hard. Yeah, to, it's hard for me no, to talk no. it down. But um, <laughs> um. I've I really enjoyed uh, going to Montreal. I did a Just for Last festival. That oh, was yeah. amazing as well because I guess it's you know wow. North America is like for my style of comedy. That's like uh, that's like the hub or the origin of it. So it's where a lot of my heroes and idols come from. So that was a great experience. Um, got to meet Tony Rock, which was crazy. Uh, yeah. And Sherrod Small. And Tony's like, "Who are your influences?" And I'm like, uh, "Chris Rock." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I heard of him. He's cool." <laughs> so, yeah, but it was amazing. Yeah, amazing experience there as well. Um, I said I love, I love performing in, in continental Europe as well, man, because I feel like I, I want to plant flags and like be like you know we've come here and I want. That's uh, not the the flag type. No, not the flag type. Empire, no, 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 no. Uh, more, uh, it's an artistic stuff. flag, yeah. Okay, it's, it's okay, no, not, not imperial, yeah. Okay, okay, exactly, yeah. <laughs> be like we're great. But let's see, make great. Britain but exactly. But that's a good. Yeah. A, it's a good. It's yeah, a, yeah. But that's a, that's a good point, Arby, because that's what I'm like. That's Sue was saying. It's like I I don't have this idea about the UK mm-hmm. where I'm like I'm from Britain and so you should listen to me no. so it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm almost I'm almost approaching it from a low status where I'm like I know I probably don't know much and uh, I approach it more yeah with a wanderlust and I'm like I want to know more about you guys yeah. and what's happening here and yeah, yeah, yeah. the more I learn it the more that feeds into my art and me understanding you guys a lot more and so and, those, and like I said just being a citizen of the world rather than being of a particular nation so yeah. I'm always open to learn more, a lot more about people so I've enjoyed most of the places I've visited I can't think of somewhere where I'm like oh, I bloody completely hate it there it's always external things themselves like maybe the logistics of travel and yeah. food and accommodation not so mm-hmm. much the place itself or people did you ever uh, I don't know sometimes it's just this type of people yeah sometimes is, is there, it, not to generalize but is there like somewhere uh, where you love to be inspired by people uh, yeah. as a as a road comic you, you go to a lot of places yeah 
Is there a place that I resonates with you? Go like, oh, yeah. I think everywhere. In fact, I just think about it. I've just realized yeah. what I don't like. Okay. Is that sometimes with people in Dubai, uh-huh. I don't like new money. New money. New money in Dubai is what I don't like. Where I did it. I did it. I did it. When I say new money, again, I don't mean it in this elitist way, but it's in people who like, so when the whole thing when people go to Dubai is that, you know, you're going to get paid proportionally more than you'd get paid for the same job in the UK. So you could be like a substitute teacher or like a scaffold or a receptionist, yeah. but you'd make twice the money in Dubai, plus you don't have to pay tax. Yeah. <gasps> but what comes with that is like, is like a Dubai complex where people get so used to, because Dubai revolves so much around uh, like leisure and hospitality, mm-hmm. people get used to people of a certain complexion opening all their doors for them. Yeah, yeah. People get used to being able to click their fingers and oh. having someone refill their glass. So they begin to get this attitude as if they've forgotten where they've come from. Mm-hmm. So I remember I was doing a show and I was speaking to a guy who like where he grew up is like 20 minutes away from where I grew up. And they're not like different economically at all, but I was like, I was like, it's literally like a bus ride away. And he was like, oh, I don't ride the bus. I'm like, eh? come on, buddy. <laughs> You're telling me before you moved out to Dubai, you never rode a bus? <laughs> like, but, and it's like, but, but they, he wants to keep all these airs and graces for the other people around him. But, I, but then it's so funny because then I'll just be like, this is ridiculous. Mm. And what I like even more about Dubai is that, well then, however you feel as an expat or however you feel like you, how rich you are because now you can afford Fendi and stuff, everyone's still an underclass to the Emiratis. Yeah. So you can have this imperialist attitude, but you don't put a foot wrong with those guys. And I love performing when Emiratis are in the room because they are, they are so chill and so funny because I will discuss subjects that people think are taboo, whether it's like sex or like even eating not eating halal mm-hmm. and everyone's like oh my god because they're also repressed really even though yeah. they carry themselves a certain way they don't want to put front wrong with these guys but I'm like well these guys are worldly because you know they are wealthy so they're worldly they're travelled yep. and they have a free access to education so it's almost me and like the MRIs and stuff <laughs> we'll have banter because I'll be like expats. yeah I will say stuff because the expats will get uncomfortable and I'll be like am I right <laughs> fellas and I'm like <laughs> I, remember I did this show in Abu Dhabi as well and I was talking about pork and everyone was like <gasps> and, I was, and I was like and I said to the guys I was like they're waiting for you to say it's okay before they get involved. And the guy was like, what, I've tried it once. And everyone, I was like, I was like, I was, in, I was in England, I tried it once. And I was like, oh, see guys, everyone can unclench their anuses now. And I'm just like, it's such a, such a funny experience. Yeah, so, so I think, I guess, yeah, the only time I have problems with audiences is that people that uh, try to remain guarded or yeah. keep up airs and graces where it's like, there's no need for this. Like, I'm not trying to defeat you or anything like that. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. here to perform comedy. But yeah, um, I think... But again, I guess that's a human. It's, that's more. Again, it's it's a reflection of life. Sometimes you'll speak yeah. to people, and people will be guarded because, depending on what social, economic, uh, I guess, paradigm they operate in, they feel they have to act a certain way. Yeah. Mm. And um, again, I just, I just, I, I myself never want to be constrained by that. I don't, I don't understand why your aspirations would be to be wealthy only for you to still be imprisoned by how you carry yourself. So, mm. you know, I am. I was, I guess, I just, I want to be able to like speak about the virtues of freedom and artistic freedom and by that merit you know my own personal freedom and spiritual freedom and so I try to project that out to people as well and it's like when people are kind of resistant to that I'm just like well what's the what's the point like mm-hmm. the thing and that's and I guess for me that's that's the whole uh I guess for me that I guess that's the whole thing about comedy is that it's you'll take it like some of these things don't take them so seriously Mm-hmm. that the, the really only certainties in this world are like they say death and taxes mm-hmm. and everything else is still is relatively fluid anyway so yeah. you know just don't take it too seriously anything yeah. it can all end I mean you're in for a start if you're in Dubai you're in a fucking desert so <laughs> if anything happens where you can't get access to certain resources you are fucked so yeah, 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 yeah. you know and like you know Dubai was a desert run by nomads about you know, what, four years ago? Yeah. Six, 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 <laughs> not, too, no. not too not too long no, ago. No, so no, no. I've, I've read the history about uh, yeah. Dubai and it started out as a, even as a protest thing against Iran. Yeah. Iran was raising their taxes and they're like, look, we don't have any taxes. Come over here. You can uh, use the harbor. Uh, we'll uh, put some food uh, for you and come. And there since then, yeah. uh, they... Uh, I feel they're like very welcoming and very open. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in very a lot of respects, they are open. I guess they've they've still got uh, some work to do as well. Of course. But um, course. yeah, but I, like I said, it's, it's with anything. I I just don't try and take stuff too seriously. It doesn't mean that I have to ridicule people or disrespect them. But at the same time, it's like you know, I just try to be very fluid in my way of thinking. I also feel like as an audience and um, that you don't have to 
uh, I can laugh at stuff like really hard that I don't agree with. Yeah. Like I don't agree with what you're saying, but this is hilarious. Like I'm laughing exactly. my ass off. Like, and that's it's okay. It doesn't mean because you're laughing, it doesn't mean that you you yeah you, you're absolutely right and i believe yeah, in exactly no like it's it's okay that's a problem but i guess it's because of the identity politics now where people yeah, feel yeah. like if you like some one aspect of something mm-hmm. then it means that you have to completely identify with this particular group and that's not how humanity works no. i don't the idea now that we can be so rigidly polarized and be liberal or conservative no one is completely liberal and no one is completely conservative and this is the thing is that it's this idea that we're all trying to solidify these kind of groups and stratify ourselves along these lines this is where a big problem part of the problem is is that now people introduce themselves especially in, on online along the lines of what separates them from everyone else when really the uh democracy that uh social media brings should be talking about what brings us all together yeah exactly but then i feel like the problem is that uh people realize especially the powers that be is that if people are able to have dialogue and realize the parallels between each other then people that profit from our separation can't do so anymore yeah because if we all start talking like you're like me over there and you're like me over there then you know people can't really make that much money from you whereas when you have people being able to monitor you with like algorithms and produce stuff that can trigger and separate separ- separate you then it's a lot easier for them to oh it's divide and conquer but then what you just are saying is that and that also reflects on you you're let's say at ease or relaxed mm-hmm. with you being here in the sense of the world, uh, what you are for humanity, yeah. uh, is it correct or is it still? Is there something that we we're not seeing? Uh, is there a stress or <laughs> my, <laughs> something about yeah. like? Ooh, um, no, my, my, th- my stress is just that I just want to I just want to you know live up to that ideal. So I just I want to I I've you know I've we all have the artists and the creatives that we all look up to, mm-hmm. and I'm like, if I'm going to be privileged enough to join this like partisan of people, I just want to be able to live up to it. Like, I want to be able to at some point, you know, be like, meet my idols and they'd be like, I love your stuff, and like, I'm like, well, this is what's influenced it and stuff as well. So, you know, uh, I guess that's that's a pre- that for me that's a pressure really is just to be like be able to, you know, do what people before me have done and to do it to that level or at least take that and innovate on it and improve on it as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, just carry the torch, man. That's that's the thing. That's my primary uh, source of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, anxiety, but okay. also motivation as well. Is that right. I just want to just um, if you be to be to be to the, the successive generations and to my peers, what my idols have been to me. Okay. And so tell us. You, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. Oh no. Uh, go go. Yeah, um, uh, tell us about uh, the chocolate chip tour that's coming oh, up, and like, yeah. how's the writing going? And, and uh, it's getting there. It's uh, I'm, I haven't toured since 2017, so it, but it's getting there. It's um, it's been it's been fun, man. This show, I just, I also just want to be able to improve and show uh, growth in all of my uh, shows. So this basic this show is basically about how I feel like there's now a uh, more of a uh, discussion about issues of mental health. And we have more open discussions about body image. And in this advent of when we have discussions about like uh, identity politics and stuff, there are very big discussions on how we are affected uh, by the world and how people's minds are affected. And I think that's all very valid. But I also feel like we're this liberal idea that we need to like, people have mental health and we can talk about it and men can talk about it and men can cry. It's like, yeah, but like, or like body image and there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with being fat or having curves and we should be able to say that. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. But it's like, you guys all realize that, you know, for many years, people have been told there's something wrong with them because they wear a hijab or there's something wrong with them because their lips are thick. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you think about how this would affect people psychologically, then I don't know how we can have a discussion about mental health and body image and not discuss how these things are, how racism affects these things. Yeah. So, and I feel like a lot of the time, if you, yeah, I mean, logically, you'd be like, if you were told that you're inferior the whole time, you're going to develop resentment and want to rebel against this ideal so you're going to come across as angry but i always feel like this whole in this kind of liberal thing where people are like <coughs> you don't don't be angry don't be the angry black man i'm like but if you were a black man you would know why you're fucking angry like james baldwin is like mm-hmm. for you to be an american and be aware means you're constantly angry yeah you know mm-hmm. so it's like i always say to like brit uh british asians i'm like don't, isn't it don't you find it fucked up that like until 2003 the national dish of the uk was curry still is referred to as the national dish but then all of a sudden yeah and then on top of that now it's like oh 
we don't know if we can trust Muslims. Well, you were eating their fucking food very comfortably for a long time. So if they wanted you dead, you'd be dead. If you wanted, like, or it's like in America, it's like, oh, you know, make America great again. Well, it's fucking funny because when in Rambo 3, he's at the campfire with the head of the Mujahideen and they're like, we are in, you know, jihad against Russian and Soviet invaders. And if that means we use child soldiers, that so be it. And Rambo was like, that's cool. Yeah, let's yeah, do it yeah, together yeah, yeah. I got a bow and arrow you ready let's go yeah. <laughs> and this is based on historical facts you know yeah. the Mujahideen were a database of fighters that the CIA trained and mobilised yeah. against Soviet invaders then it's like these people are bad are they now you were fine when you was rolling with them yeah, against yeah, the Soviets yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. yeah again so I guess it's a. Uh, it's I feel like I guess I'm worried about a time where when we're talking about like we have emojis and noise, and we talk about mental health. This idea that we're supposed to be shaming anger, mm-hmm. I don't think it's very healthy. Because wow, okay. yeah. anger is like the emo- it's, it's a valid it's part of the emotional yeah. spectrum. And a lot of time, anger is a very good catalyst for change. If you think about big revolutions like in France and stuff, it wasn't because of real yeah. complex political issues. It's like, I can't even feed my fucking family. Exactly. This is ridiculous. I'm pissed off. This shit needs to change. Or the Arab Spring. It's not like, again, it wasn't about like complex theological no, discussions no, about religion no. stuff. It's like, I can't even power my truck to exactly. have my business to feed my family. This is some yeah. bullshit. And that's how it starts. So I think sometimes yeah. anger is necessary, you know, to for change. And doesn't mean you always have to feel that way but if you don't experience it then how are you supposed to appreciate contentment in the same way that like yes joy has no meaning unless you've had pain you know mm-hmm. i mean if you're a religious person like the soul is forged in suffering like matter has antimatter as well so there has to be a balance this idea that you can always have a state of calm and contentment well then it, you'll just become numb to it if you don't and that's and i think that's a big part of what's happened to us in the west is that mm-hmm from the second world war onwards we enjoyed a long period of relative peace compared to people outside of that and you know now we're getting to a point where we're just having to see what conflict is like again and people are losing their minds over it but i'm like you know we are no better than anybody else conflict has happened here before and sometimes it's necessary to maybe start redrafting a lot of the uh social and political structures that we've been thriving in for the last 50 yeah. plus years and they and everything needs mot and everything needs to be reworked again and so yeah, so my show is basically about the fact that whenever I discuss these things, people say, oh, this black guy's got a chip on his shoulder. So I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, in, in this advent of embracing body image, I like my chocolate chip. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. being angry about stuff sometimes yeah. because, you know, I like, I, if, if you're like, there's only, Sue's the only comedian in Belgium, that's fucking bullshit. That's not cool. You're the only, you're the only woman of color. Well, that needs to fucking change. It doesn't mean I'm apoplectic with rage, but it's like, that's not okay. Yeah. That should be. Yeah. That should. That should change. And let's be honest. There's nothing funnier than when somebody's angry. Exactly, yeah. and that's so. why it's like when I when I got into comedy, like people be like, "Dane, how was the the, the the flight home?" And I'd be like, "This happened and this happened." <laughs> and, oh my god! I'm trying to go to sleep. And then some woman throws <laughs> up behind me. Yeah, and, yeah, I'm, and even and for me, I'm venting. It's, it's cathartic exactly. for me just to get it off my chest exactly. because I prefer to do that. Because and remember, we don't all have the privilege of access to psychiat- psychiatric help. Like yeah, psychiatry, yeah. so far as being available on mainstream, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very new to everyone. Not everyone's been able to get like CBT and therapy and stuff. Mm-hmm. So sometimes being like being able to be your friends and be like, you won't believe the bullshit that happened yeah, to me yeah, at a job yeah. today, and your friends are like yeah. laughing and stuff. Yeah. That makes you feel better because yeah, yeah. you get to vent and people exactly. get to identify. So yeah. this idea of trying to nullify anger doesn't work because, like I said, yeah. I always discovered my comedy where people would be like, so what happened at school today? And I'd be like, oh, this <laughs> idiot. And people would laugh. So yeah. I think I think anger's healthy yeah. sometimes. And working yeah. with Steve. Yeah, exactly, working with Steve. But And the thing is, I think, you know, especially most people, the Steve thing was, yeah, it's important. Yeah, or like yeah, Steve, or, or stealing Steve. jobs and stuff yeah, where yeah, people are like, yeah. you know, this, oh, yeah, yeah. Even, I mean, stuff yeah. like that is like, it's not like I'm full of rage, but like I'm almost incredulous as to like how this term of stealing a job can exist. You can't steal a job, right? How can this term still exist? And then some people are like, yeah, but you know, these people still, like, well then, even then, you're, what you're describing are like scabs, like if, you're, if people are crossing the picket line, but they're still not stealing because no one can take a job unless someone's going to employ them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's ever like, here's my, here is my application form. <laughs> yeah. You go make this into a job. <laughs> this is my desk yeah, now. Yeah, it's, like, it's my desk now. That never, that doesn't happen, right? So, and and the thing, and, and even then, I'm just like, why are you even still worrying about jobs? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a whole yeah. new race of gender fluid people that speak their own language from every part of the world, and they don't need you, and they don't care what you think, and that's like yeah. artificial intelligence. And the more robots and automation can fill human jobs you're not gonna have to find new ideas other than jobs 
So even though you think immigrants are the problem, gonna get to a point where like, you know, you think they care about you and where you're from and you being from America when if there's a robot who doesn't need to sleep, doesn't need a union, doesn't need to eat, will never take maternity leave, no one's gonna give a fuck about you. Yeah. So you need to look at the big picture instead of worrying about shit like immigrants and stuff. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I'm trying <laughs> to cover a, in the show. That's such a good conclusion. Yeah. Yes. Dane, it was such a joy having Thank you. Thank you so you much, so much and, man. And we, we said a lot of things, you're coming back. Sue is going to open for you, or, yeah, or, or not even opening, but, uh, but yeah. I see. Well, I met Sue, I met, uh, <laughs> I met uh, Serene yesterday, the last Serena. day of the yeah, as well, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I got um, help out the sisters and stuff definitely, as well, man. But yeah, it's, it's a pleasure, man, Much and uh, to those watching and listening, if you want to find some more stuff, I have my YouTube channel, uh, add me on all the good socials. I intend to be back at Nuff Said and be back in Belgium in general, so inshallah. yeah, do, uh, yeah, exactly, inshallah, do stay in touch, man, and uh, yeah. I appreciate you guys. Thank you very uh, much. Thank, thank you. Uh, again, with us, uh, sub- subscribe to the podcast. Um, also, give us a review because it's uh, that one. Okay. <laughs> give us a review on uh, how, what is it called? Is it podcast or Apple, iTunes? What do you call it? There's so many podcast yeah. apps. Yeah. Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Or just tweet the guys. Tweet, tweet the us. Guys, yeah, send yeah, yeah. Tweet message, us. Send them a message. Yeah. And enough uh, said. This is where we stand free. I love it when, uh, what's the call with Leslie Nisa with the 